WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. That's right, this is Impact Exposure. My name is Dave Harinkiw and I'm your host as usual for the next hour. As always, my lovely co-host Megan to my left. Megan, how you doing this Monday? Oh, fantastic, thank you. Well, that's great to hear. Have a nice weekend. Yeah, yeah, it was a little a little busy. I was out in the sun for like two days straight, so I got a little sunburnt. But other than that, I'm not complaining. That's good. No, it was hot. It was nice this weekend, though, and if I was in the sun for two days straight, I wouldn't be here. I'm way <laughs> too white. But no, it was, it's was. it been a real nice weekend. A beautiful day again today. Uh, just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I'm not going to complain about the heat or anything like that the rest of the summer, unless it's maybe like 110 outside <laughs> at some point. But uh, no, the summer's great. Uh, you know, we complain about the winter for six months of the year here in Michigan. I'll take 90 degree days. I feel like it's longer than six months. Kind of. It really kind of is. I don't know. October comes around. It depends on when in October it really just starts getting chilly. But uh, yeah, I'm going to enjoy summer because it's already June. You know, before you know it, I mean, it's going to be September. We're going to be back in school. We, I mean, really, it's going to be before we know it. So uh, might as well enjoy the great weather as it is. I hope all of our listeners had a great weekend out there. Uh, I know this wasn't a holiday weekend like the last weekend, so everyone is back at work today. But uh, hopefully all of our listeners did have a good weekend and uh, you know back to the work week but before you know it will be Friday again everyone so uh, just get ready for the next weekend but uh, we do have a lot to get to on today's show a lot in the sports world going on right now gonna get to the Detroit Tigers now only two and a half games back of the Cleveland Indians in the central division really looking good there Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about coach D'Antonio whether we think at all he is going to be leaving for OSU Um, just you know start thinking about that right now I really have no thought in this world that he's going to do that but you know what some people do uh, we're also going to talk a little about plexico burris just got released up from jail today uh, we're also going to be touching on a little bit of the nba playoffs obviously uh, game three just finished up here last night really good series going out there with the nba finals we're going to talk a little uh, nhl finals as well uh, game three tonight in boston at the td garden so we're going to touch on a little bit of that french open megan's got nascar for us we have a full slate here on today's show so we are going to kick it off so everyone remembers phone numbers 517-432-3893 call an all show about whatever we're talking about or you know what if there's something we're not talking about on the show and you want us to talk about it give us a call you know we can start adding maybe different topics to this show you know hear what some of the listeners want to you know hear us talk about that maybe we don't talk about so call in whatever you want guys but uh we are going to talk about the detroit tigers right now like i said the detroit tigers not only two and a half games back in the central division really playing well have won six of their last seven games um looking solid right now if uh, we want to go back to last Monday when they started their uh, series off against the Minnesota Twins uh, they swept them Twins again still struggling Tigers took advantage of it Uh, win six to five last Monday eight to seven on Tuesday and four to two on Wednesday so a nice sweep of the Minnesota Twins just to gain a little more ground against them in our division 
Thursday, team did have an off day, so they got to rest up a little bit. And then Friday, we started our series off with the Chicago White Sox. Uh, this was at Chicago. Um, always a good series when you travel out to Chicago there. Um, always a good you know, a good series, like I had said. And uh, Friday, tough loss. Uh, Andy Oliver got the start for the Detroit Tigers, gave up four earned runs in about four innings, um, gave up a really nasty three-run shot there in the fourth, got pulled after that. Furbush came in. Furbush did a pretty darn good job, got into some trouble there, bases loaded, but got out of it without giving any runs up. Tigers clawed back to within four to three. Then it was five to four. Then it was six to four. And then Tigers lost. So uh, it was a close game. Tigers just couldn't get over the hump, though, to win that one. But on Saturday, in my opinion, the best game of this series, Verlander on the mound um, against Burley. It was a fantastic game. Um, no, I'm sorry, not against Burley. Edwin Jackson, excuse me. And uh, it was a great game. This game was 2 nothing for a long period of time. Gordon Beckham then hits a two-run shot in the fifth to tie it up. Uh, Verlander pitched uh, another gem of a game, getting out of a lot of trouble, uh, a lot of double play balls. Uh, you know, he made uh, Chicago hitters hit into, which was uh, very good. And our man, who is worth every penny we pay him, Miguel Cabrera, a two-run knock, top of the ninth to make it a 4-2 lead. Valverde held on, closed the game out to get the win for uh, Verlander. Great, great win. Uh, looking at Sunday, yesterday's game, a game I wish I could have tuned into, did not get a chance to, but uh, Brad Penny facing off against Jake Peavy in a game where Peavy was locked in from the start, really looking good into the fourth, Tigers down. You know, you wondered if this was a game they were going to let just get away from him. But who of any... Ryan Rayburn. <laughs> Ryan Rayburn hits a grand slam to really give us a six-run Fifth inning, Grant, just fantastic. Tigers win 7-3. to three. Uh, Again, 6 out of 7 right now. They're uh, 31 and 27, two and a half games back of the Cleveland Indians. Megan, looking at this team, you know, we swept, we swept the Twins, took two out of three here against the White Sox on the road. Now we do start a really tough three-game series at Texas. That starts off tonight at 8.05. Do you think the Tigers this next week, like I said, they have three here at Texas, four at home against Seattle. Okay, two teams that have been playing very well here in the AL, uh, AL West. Do they have the? Can they take over the Indians now for the top spot in the Central this week with these seven games? I don't think it's going to be that simple. Okay. Um, the thing we've also we've learned about the Tigers is they are extremely inconsistent. And the one thing I've noticed is, um, you know, the White Sox aren't that good of a team. And when we played them in the first game. Um, you know, it's it showed that they played down to the level, I think, of the teams they play. Uh-huh. Um, that's one thing I've noticed with them. It's like, you know, the White Sox aren't phenomenal. Um, but, you know, for some reason, we still kept it close with them. Yeah, and, it's a division game. I think a lot of times yeah. the division game's a little closer than you right. expect them to be. Um, with Texas and Seattle, I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult than just saying, yeah, they can take over, you know, um, they can take over the Indians. It yes. also depends on who the Indians play. True. Do you have any any idea? Of? No, I can look that up. Okay, though, in a but yeah, it, it also depends on who they play too, because you know if they keep winning and we keep winning, we're not going to get any closer. I'm pretty sure actually the uh, the Indians are starting a series off with Minnesota. Okay. Here, so oh. um, okay. Well then, I mean, if the Indians don't beat Minnesota, then they have a problem. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think it's going to be that simple. Um, that's just my opinion. I I have, I have as much faith in the Tigers as the next person does because obviously you know Detroit they are my team. I'm 100% for them. You should see my car; it's covered in Detroit Tiger stuff. Um, but coming as of a perspective as looking at everything, it's our inconsistency, especially with better teams, that kind of makes me a little skeptical as to if we can beat them or not. Because when we do win, it's like a lot of times, especially with the like Miguel Cabrera thing, it's like the last straw. 
It's it was. Like, I mean, that was the top of the ninth. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a battle the whole game. Right. That was a real good game. Right. That was a good game in general. And, you know, if they can, you know, take an easy, easy like, early lead in all these games, I can see them taking it. But if they're waiting until the last minute to win games like that, which I'm not saying it wasn't a good game, then I think we're going to have some difficulties with Seattle and with um and with Texas. Texas. Yeah. No, and I know what you're saying. I think the, the best point you made was that the Tigers, I mean, even though that game was 2-2 two to two after the fifth, the Tigers got out to the early lead. They got the 2 nothing lead from the start. Yeah, and a lot of these games, they have jumped out to the lead. I know sometimes these games have been tied up. These teams have come back, and it's been a battle. Nonetheless, though, the Tigers haven't been playing from behind as much. When mm-hmm. the Tigers play from behind, they just don't play too well. I mean, you saw it in Friday's loss against the Chicago White Sox. You know, the team was down one nothing, then 4 nothing, And then a beautiful three-run knock by Casper Wells was then 4 to three yep. and then another solo shot then it's five to three then it's five to four and then it's six to four just home run home they they don't play well from behind i think mm-hmm. uh the key with the tigers i think is just making sure they do get out to a lead whether it's a one or two run lead whatever it might be they need to come out on top and uh they have been getting some great pitching performances i mean albuquerque albuquerque got both wins on monday and tuesday against minnesota i think he's been playing very well uh right there in the middle relief uh ben Wah really been picking it up lately i think he's really come back after struggling a little bit a couple weeks ago and uh still jose valverde yet to blow a save um yes as usual in non-save opportunities Valverde not the most cl- most clutch guy but that's the situations I don't want him in anyhow these are situations Benoit Albuquerque even Schlereth a lot of different guys I think should be pitching when it's a 6-2 game in the ninth I don't think we need Jose Valverde in there uh, but he is phenomenal in save opportunities again still hasn't blown one yet this season so I mean it should be a very interesting series here with Texas like I said uh, one of the hottest teams in baseball right now 10-3 uh, and three in their last 13 games uh, the last time we did face Texas this season was a three game series uh, we won two out of three against Texas so uh, you know that was good um, it was a very good series nonetheless uh, Ogando did get to us in that first game last time we played in the series so we'll see how that plays out this time uh, tonight's game will be fate will be Max Scherzer versus Colby Lewis. Uh, Max Scherzer now six and two, four point three eight ERA against Colby Lewis, who is five and five with a three four eight ERA. Uh, Scherzer, I think, as we both know, has really been struggling as of his last like two or three starts. Mm-hmm. Um, really hope to see him get just get it together in this game here. I think it's an important series. Every time we've seen this t- Detroit Tigers team win five in a row, win four in a row, six to seven. You know, whatever it might be, 11 out of 12, they fall into that 4 or 5 losing slump. Can't do that here. This is this is their chance. They're two and a half games back of Cleveland. I know we have a lot of games to go. I mean, right now we are only 58 game, games into the season. You have 104 games left. Don't get me wrong, there's a ton of time left. But still, it is nice to take advantage of a team like Cleveland who has lost four straight who is struggling at this time has you know they're 3 and 7 in their last 10 games they've been getting beat up the tigers need to take advantage of that uh texas right now a team that like i said is playing quite well they are 34 and 26 on top of the al west at this time they do have a two and a half game lead over the seattle mariners mariners sitting at 31 and 28 so both of these teams seattle and texas playing good baseball right now so i want to ask the audience uh do you think the tigers can take over cleveland i think a better question than just take the division lead is can they play 
good baseball once they've won this many games in a row. We've seen it all season. They get on a winning streak, then they go on a losing streak. Do you think they can play better than 500 baseball this whole week? Seven games against two pretty good teams at this time with some really good pitching and hitting. So don't forget the phone number. 517-432-3893 is the number. But um, I feel like they're perfectly capable of playing good baseball. Oh, it's definitely. Just they, they, for some reason, they just have those... Ups and downs are like a roller coaster team. Oh, for sure. And it's like five games we win, four games we lose, three games we win, two games we lose. It's just like that's how the team is. And, you know, I I think they are perfectly capable of it. They definitely have the talent. They have more than enough talent, especially with our – you wouldn't see it like with our young guys like Dirks. Like you were saying, he had like a two run and a hit in one of the games. He had a double yesterday. I mean, I think Dirks has been playing great and, uh, you know, Dirk's fast kid. We've seen him make some great plays out there in left field. Just some fantastic athletic plays. Uh, the kid's batting two fifty six right now. Um, you know, he's doing a really good job. He has two homers, five RBIs. Um, he's playing well. He's almost has an 800 OPS right now. So, And that kind of begs the question. Uh, you know, Mags looks like he's going to be done with his rehab assignment here. Mm-hmm. Real soon he's been down in Toledo with the Mud Hens. Who do they move down? Do you move Dirk's down? I mean, he's been playing so well. Who gets moved down to make space for Mags? You know, I was talking to my dad about this because he was actually, um, him and my family went and saw a spring training game. Okay. And he was telling me how Dirks actually was the best, you know, the best one down there. He had one of the best, like, batting averages, whatever, whatever. Like, he did awesome. Yeah. And then they just didn't pull him up. And I think it's because of Ordonez. And we had Bosch last year who did phenomenal the first half of the season. And then Jackson's always center field, so there was no question there. But, um you know, and then they pull him up, and he does this well. It's it's definitely a tough decision, and I feel like if if Leland puts him back down, that's going to be kind of a crappy move on his part. Yeah, I mean, I just I'm trying to think who you send down because um, I don't want him to send Dirks down. I mean, maybe you bump Casper Wells down. Yeah, maybe but then knock after him his down. hitting too, like. And he's been doing all right. He yeah. did hit that three run knock, uh, like I said on Friday night, to give us a shot in the game, to make it the four to three. Uh, you know, do you send Will Rhymes down? Um, I'm just trying. Like, who do you get? Who do you send down? I I haven't seen much of Will Rhymes. That's the thing. He's only played in 19 games. This right. Season. I yeah, haven't so. seen much of him. On top of it, is Don Kelly still at third? Uh, yes, Brandon Edge does. He still has mono. mono. He still has mononucleosis. <laughs> I, my friend thought it was hilarious, you know, that he went on the DL for mono, but I've had it before, and if something happens to your spleen and it ruptures, like, they, they tell you not to do any athletic physical activity, and if something happens to your spleen and it does rupture, it's toxic to your body, and you could yes, die. that sounds bad. Yes, it's very, very bad. Your spleen gets huge. You look very pregnant, almost. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous, but yeah, so Kelly's still at third. And and we, Kelly's been playing great yeah, at third. He I, really has. He's yeah. been playing very well. He's made a lot of good defensive plays. I'm not trying to say he's not a better defensive third baseman than Brandon Inge, but he's still he's been hitting better than Brandon Inge. He's been doing well, having some timely hits there. I think we need to focus mostly, I think, on getting a second baseman. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just feel that because Rayburn is not that good, and on top of it, his batting average is definitely nothing. It's not. And I just think they need to, like, especially, who'd they get rid of? Um, they traded him for our pitcher. Uh, recently? Yes. Uh, for, I'm trying to think. I forgot his name. Oh, <laughs> uh, who could it be? I mean, I know we got Percy recently. Yeah, as... that's who I'm talking about. Okay. We traded for him. Um, he yeah, I don't the... know. Oh, Sizemore. Sizemore. That's I thought right. he was doing pretty well, and then all of a sudden he was gone. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, I think Percy was a good pickup. But oh, it's yeah. true. The question mark at second. Uh, Rayburn, 
hopefully that Grand Slam Sunday starts propelling him to his good months of June, July, you know, August, like he usually we see him have. He has a rough April and May most of the time, half a bad month of June, and then he kind of gets it together. Uh, he's batting 201 right now, so he's got his batting average over at least two. Um, he's, he was batting like 194 a lot of this weekend. So hopefully he can get that together. His OPS at 576 uh, is terrible. Uh, just really awful. <laughs> I just don't think I know so many people that don't like him. Just that because, don't like him. Yes. For what exact reason? Just his inconsistent. He's, he's yeah, he's inconsistent. And he's, he hasn't been doing too well. No, he hasn't. But. And I don't know. I have a friend who absolutely two friends actually that just cannot stand him. And when people say that he's good and that they like him, they are not happy campers whatsoever. And it's <laughs> I think it's just hilarious. But I, I think there's always going to be those people. Like I'm not going to say I like him or I don't. I think he's doing what he needs to do. And you know, with that grand slam, he did what he needed to do. But. I, I, I think it's kind of funny. It's kind yeah, of interesting. And I, you hope to see it pick up. Um, you know, it's going on talking about a different player for a moment. Uh, Johnny Peralta did get some rest on Sunday, uh, which is nice. Johnny Peralta, who just been on fire. Uh, this guy's got the highest batting average now on the team. He's batting 320. Uh, kid's incredible. Does uh, he really? Yeah, he's batting 320 right now. Eight home runs, 31 RBIs. Where's Cabrera? Uh, Cabrera's just right there behind him. He's batting 313. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Cabrera has 13 home runs, 43 RBIs. Um, you know, obviously he's leading the team right now. And uh, Avila uh, can't be too far behind. No, he's not. Yeah. And, uh, you know, on base percentage, Cabrera's at 436. He leads the team with 63 hits. Uh, like I said, he leads the team in home runs as well, RBIs. Alex Avila still right there. Uh, the kid's got 280, he's batting 282, looking really good, still consistently. Victor Martinez batting 300, looking great out there, Victor. And that's the great thing. It's something that we always talked about last year. What you know, they could always walk Cabrera. Cabrera, there was no one behind. There's no protection behind Cabrera. Mm-hmm. So anytime that you had first base open, you could easily walk him. Now they don't. A lot of teams don't have that option. And I think you saw that really come out in this game Saturday night when Verlander, you know, was going against uh, Edwin Jackson. In the sense that you got Victor coming up after Cabrera. They didn't want to walk Cabrera in that situation, even though Ozzy maybe should have, or the you know whoever was pitching should have given him a little bit less. Nonetheless, so that pitch was off the plate, and he took it to the opposite side. It's just dangerous because now you can't just walk Cabrera and think, all right, well, now I got Ryan Rayburn coming up in the five spot. You have Victor Martinez coming up in the five spot, who is playing equivocally almost just as good as Miguel Cabrera since he's been back from his injury. So I remember watching that game um, with Cabrera when he hit that two-round home run, and I just, as soon as he hit the ball, I was like, oh my gosh, that was a nice hit, and then I was like... I got up and I put my hands in the air and I ran around the room. I was so excited. Um, but yeah, That's like right. the thing about Cabrera is, you know, he's he's such a phenomenal hitter and uh, you can tell when he hits well. You can tell that with any player though. But with that, I just knew instantly right then. It was like you could hear it. He and just it was knew it going. Too. He knew it. He kind of stood there. He's like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna go now. Just such power. <laughs> Ball hanging off the plate. He takes it to the opposite side of the field. Uh, just incredible. Um, real fast, looking at Seattle. I know that series does not start up until Thursday, but uh, Seattle, we did get swept in the last series we played against them. Uh, series before that, we did win two out of three. So uh, again, should be a good series both ways here. Uh, just looking at the pitching matchups in the rest of the series with Texas. Like I said, Scherzer versus Lewis tonight. Then we have Porcello versus Harrison on Tuesday. And Phil Coke will get his first start back since uh, his rehab assignment. And he will go against Ogando. Ogando is playing phenomenally uh, this season. He's pitching a 2-2-0 ERA. He's 6-0 right now. So Phil Coke will have his hands full uh, dealing with some guy like that trying to maintain how good Ogando is. So uh, 
Your boy Phil Coke's going to get a start here soon. Fantastic. I know you can't <laughs> wait. So Wednesday night, is, you make sure you tune in Wednesday night, and hopefully Phil Coke just... <sighs> He'll get off your uh, your blacklist. He he has a lot to prove to me. I don't know why. <laughs> he just does. If he does well the next couple of starts, I'll give it to him. But I, I'm not saying he's a bad player. I know. Not at all. I just, I, there's something about him. I don't know what it is. Just something. There's It must be that hair, like you said last time. <laughs> there's more and more guys with haircuts like that these days. It's I don't ridiculous. know why. It's ridiculous. It is kind of stupid. <laughs> But I get it. it's it's baseball. It's like you know, it's superstitions. It's yeah. little quirks. It's you know, all kinds of. It's things. like all those necklaces that they wear. Like I remember when I played softball. You know, I wasn't allowed to wear jewelry. Why are guys allowed to wear jewelry in the major leagues? Because <laughs> like, it's not you know. What the heck is that? We're not twelve playing baseball. There. Hey. <laughs> it's a little different. I couldn't wear it either when I was playing. So, but we'll let these guys wear their necklaces and their, and their things. But uh, yeah, tonight uh, for all of our you know Detroit Tiger fans out there, eight oh five is the start time for this game. It's at Tech. Texas. Uh, all three games of this series will be at 8.05, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Again, should be a great series, so uh, definitely tune in if you want to. Uh, with the Tigers now two and a half back, uh, they have so a lot of breathing, breathing room at the moment, especially with uh, beating up on Chicago. On Chicago. Uh, Chicago is seven games back at Cleveland. KC really been falling off. They're 25 and 34 now, nine games back. Minnesota still in the doghouse, 12 and a half games back. This team is 21 and 37. A lot of work to do if they are going to inch their way back into contention here in the Central Division. But uh, we are going to move on past the Tigers. You guys can definitely still call in all hour about the Tigers. We just have to move on. But uh, phone number is 517-432-3893. And uh, real fast, we're going to talk about Mark D'Antonio. We're going to talk more about Mark, obviously, later towards college football time. But right. as we said on last week's show, Jim Tressel resigned. You know, now they need a coach at OSU. Even though Luke Finkel, he will be their coach this next season in 2011. Uh, you know, one of the assistants out there. But he's not going to be the long-term coach mm-hmm. of OSU, obviously. And uh, just, you know, there's been a lot of rumors ever since, uh, you know, Jim Tressel has stepped down. And, of course, since Mark D'Antonio has, uh, you know, a storied past here with Jim Tressel, being with him at Youngstown State, knowing the guy for many years. And, say, I mean, they are good friends. Uh, and just, do, do and does anyone think out there, Spartan Nation, does anyone think that Mark D'Antonio would leave MSU, not this season, of course, but maybe next season, for Ohio State? 517-432-3893. Real fast, do you think that? I mean, I don't think there's a chance. I don't, I don't think there's even a, a glimmer of a chance. Do you think there's just any kind of truth to any of this? I don't. I think Mark D'Antonio, it's somewhat like, I don't want to compare it completely to the Tom Izzo, Cleveland Cavaliers situation, because Tom Izzo was actually really, really considering it. Um, yes. But I don't think, I think Mark D'Antonio has, like, has, is rooted here almost, because, you know, he has so much support behind him, especially after last season with his heart attack, and like, how oh, yeah. well they did, 11-1, whatever, all that good stuff, and I just think, you know, for him to leave... Just pack up and be like, I'm going to Ohio State, guys. Bye. Just like, I don't. It'd be pretty cold. It would be very cold. I think he would probably lose a lot of support, I think, from East Lansing if he did decide to leave. But I don't think that there would be a chance in the world that he, I think he would leave MSU within a couple years. I feel if he did that, he felt like he probably felt like he'd done what he needed to do here and he needed to move on to somewhere else. But I don't think that would ever happen. I don't think so either. I mean, he did get a Big Ten title last year, obviously, first one in 20 years that, you know, it's been a long time since we've had one. But he has taken us to four straight bowl games. You know, I mean, I know we haven't had success playing in these bowl games, but he has taken us to four straight bowl games finally. 
I just I can't see him leaving. I mean, we've seen it with Nick Saban. Nick Saban left us, you know, to go and do his thing, you know, going to LSU, then going to the NFL, then going back to college to win a title with Alabama. So, I mean, Nick Saban, that's, you brought up a good point, Tom Izzo, because Michigan State, the only reason this is a story, really, is because we've had coaches like this. We've had dealing with Izzo and possibly Cleveland, Nick Saban leaving us, mm-hmm. even George Perlis uh, back in the day, you know, possibly leaving us. And then, you know, so Spartan Nation has always dealt with this kind of trepidation behind will these people stay? Is Michigan State that kind of school that can just grab, you know, put their hooks into a coach, a good coach, and keep them here? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, the, you know, that's what kind of worries some state fans is OSU is a marquee job. It's a, I mean, it's a fantastic university. It's had, you know, a lot of success. And, you know, it's a job, I think, on kind of the stature of a Notre Dame of just it's a very, you know, reclusive job. It's great. But Will he take it? No, I don't think he'll take it. Do you think D'Antonio would even consider taking a broken program like that? Because they had problems with the kids. They had problems with the coach. It's not it wasn't just the coaching. It was of also not, the no. kids. It's a lot of the kids, too. And uh, yeah. it is a lot. But that I think coaches love that kind of, you know, I'm going to come in and I'm going to I'm going to make this work. I'm going to fix this. I mean, if you know, Izzo ever left for Cleveland, he'd be going into a situation where it's a complete rebuilding process, and he was still considering it. So, I mean, I think coaches do like that. But D'Antonio, I think he feels like he is in East Lansing, a Spartan guy, mm-hmm. that he has. He does feel the tradition here. He does like, you know, just the atmosphere in this at this campus, and he is not done here. He has not so. accomplished what he's wanted to get, and his goal is to get to a BCS bowl game. He hasn't got that done yet. I feel like he's still got so much left to do here, and if he was to leave for Ohio State, he'd have multiple more years that he'd have to work on making a team. You know, I mean, Ohio State's obviously a very talented program, but I think with a new coach and everything, it's gonna be a little. It'd be a little bit different for him. No, definitely, and. I just think that, I mean, even with going to OSU, I think it still hurts you in recruiting. How can you leave a school like Michigan State if you just left them that coldly, hypothetically, and you go to OSU? How can you even recruit kids at OSU and say, yeah, I'm going to be here in four years, I'm going to be here in right. five years, when you just dogged the school and you were only you were there for four? You know, the parents and even the kids, can we trust this guy? Right. I don't think it'll happen. Uh, real fast, uh, Bodog, uh, you know, it's an online betting service. They came out with odds on who will be the coach in 2012 for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, leading the uh, leading uh, the charge, Urban Meyer, who was uh, the former Florida coach, now on ESPN. He has 3-2 to two odds of being the next coach. Uh, Mark Stoops, who is the Florida State defensive coordinator, 5-2 to two odds. John Gruden, 3-1 to one odds, who is, you know, former NFL coach. Now he's always on ESPN as an analyst. Bo Pelini at 10-1 to one, Nebraska. And Mark D'Antonio, 12-1, to one, obviously Michigan State. So Coach D'Antonio is at the bottom of this rumor list. But uh, I do think it will be someone like Urban Meyer, Mark Stoops. That seems much more reasonable. And, um, yeah, I mean, Urban Meyer's not in coaching right now. So I can definitely see him taking over a program like that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, call in, guys, if anyone thinks that D'Antonio might leave and why, I'd love to hear it because I just don't see why he would leave this school. I don't either. I mean, just like you said, um, he's not done here. I mean, we had such a great season last year. We were so close. You think he's going to leave just like that? Oh, guys, we got 11-1. You know, we didn't make it. So I'm going to move on to OSU and see if I can do it with them. Like, I don't think he would just leave a program where so many young kids are coming up, so many young, talented kids are coming up that he could turn into something great. And we can yes. have the best program ever within the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be different if we were talking about maybe some school that he had connection with that was in the SEC, that was in the Pac-10, but a school that is so close to home, Ohio State and the Big Ten, and just that mm-hmm. in general, that relationship, I just can't see that ever working. Yeah. I could see if it was in a different 
thing. Exactly. Like, if it was in a different conference, yeah. I can see it more. If it was, you know, a, a university that maybe a coach stepped down or retired that did not have all these allegations right. and all these violations, and it was just a dream job mm-hmm. that some of these coaches have. Like, you know, it's a you know, you just have to take it. You've wanted it your whole life. But that's not this case, I don't no. think. I really don't think it is. I agree. But uh, talking about allegations, um, USC, uh, they definitely know about allegations. And today is all finally uh, what we all expected, I assume. But uh, the BCS has finally stripped uh, USC of its 2004 title today, uh, leaving them with leaving that without a champion. There's no champion now for the 2004-2005 season. Uh, the reason that these they did strip them of the championship, because uh, they were hit with heavy sanctions this last year for the rules violations committed in the 04-05 season, uh, you know, Reggie Bush received improper extra benefits during these seasons. So basically, you know, he was an ineligible player. So uh, they stripped him. They stripped the team of that. Uh, Here's a comment from Pat uh, Pat Hayden, the U.S. athletic director. He says, quote, the BCS alerted us today that their presidents have voted to vacate USC's 2005 BCS championship game victory. This was not an unexpected outcome. We will comply with all the requirements mandated by the result of this BCS vote, end quote. So, um, any surprise, Megan? No. I want to know exactly what they do when they strip them, though. Is it just the title, or they take away their rings? Like, what goes on? That's true. I mean, I would assume they take those back. I mean, you know, the, like, the team already gave back the Heisman Trophy they had. Reggie uh-huh. Bush gave back his personal Heisman Trophy. Um, you know, they stripped them of their wins. They stripped them of the championship. When it comes to rings and whatever, you know, you know kind all of that you know, swag. paraphernalia, the swag, it's <laughs> actually a good word for it. I don't know. Um, it said it does also say here that the BCS, um, the, the BCS has said that the Trojans must vacate their uh, participation in the 2006 Rose Bowl as well. Wow! So uh, basically, they lost that game 41 to 38 against uh, Texas. So they have to vacate that as well. Which I find it funny because I know the committee of these rules violations, but all of this still happened. I mean, like this happened. These games took place. It, that doesn't change anything. Like the mm-hmm. 2005 champion, it, might, it will be USC. They can strip him of it. They can strip Reggie Bush of the Heisman. He still won it. Mm-hmm. And I just, I mean, that's kind of always been my issue of it. I almost feel like. And it was so long. It's ago. like you're doing something so late because you finally found out about it. I get it. But does it change the outcome? No. Does it change what took place that entire season? Does it change what happened in that national championship game in OSIS when Texas did overtake USC in a great game? No. It doesn't change the season. It doesn't change wins. It doesn't change losses. You know, just because a guy received improper benefits doesn't mean that he was, you know, taking 10,000 milligrams of steroids and the whole team, you know, yeah, he was receiving money. That didn't change how good of a player he was. It didn't change. I just... And did they win the game just because of Reggie Bush? No, exactly. I mean, was he the only guy? I, th- I do believe a guy named Matt Leinart, you know, and some <laughs> other good players that were on this team. Right. I mean, that was a fantastic team that year. I mean, they were unstoppable just because Reggie Bush took money in a car and whatever the heck else doesn't matter, in my opinion. No. And it still exists. And that's just my problem with it. It just almost seems very... I think it's just to show that they're doing something. Like, oh, we realize this is bad. You know, we're going to go through with the rules that we set in place. And even if it was, what, 2005, so six years ago, even if it was almost six years ago, we don't care. Yeah, I just, it seems very hollow. I think so, too. Damn, it doesn't make a difference. Like, oh, yeah, that, it happened. They still won. That's what I think. It's like saying, you know, Galarraga threw or didn't throw the perfect game, but, you know, 
Yeah, we all know. We all know he, he did. did. It, it's not going to be in stat books. It's not going to be no. in history books. But as fans, you know what happened. Exactly. You're a USC fan. Even if you're just a fan of college football in general, you know what took place that season. I remember that whole season. It was those years. I mean, even though I don't like USC or Texas, really, those were some great college football games uh, those two years. So I'm not going to take anything away. Obviously, they cheated. It was wrong. But look, Pete Carroll just jumped ship and goes to the, you know, the Seattle Seahawks where his, uh, you know, his uh, violations. But uh, we are going to take a quick break here on the Spartan Sports Wrap. When we get back, we're going to talk a little Plexico Burris, a little MSU boy, just got out of prison. Uh, will he be able to come back and play in the NFL? Does he have the skill still? And who knows if there will be a season. Uh, we will also get to the NBA Finals. And think about it right now. Coach for the Detroit Pistons. Who do you got? There's a vacancy. We need a coach yet again. Don't forget that. Phone number is 517-432-3893. You are listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on Impact Exposure. You're listening to Impact Exposure. General, we've just received word of an invasion. Speak quickly, maggot. Is it those Canadians again? I don't know, sir. We just heard that Monday at 8 p.m. the Impact will be invaded. You stupid ninny. That's the Asian invasion. It's the poppiest, catchiest, and all-around toe-tapping his music out of the Korea, Japan, and China. But, sir, I'm no good with Asian dialects. Shut up and listen to the music, private. That catchy beat knows no language barrier. Now move out, everyone. Sir, yes, sir. The Asian invasion. Monday nights from 8 till 10 on 89 The Impact. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Thursday nights from 10 until 2 a.m. Listen to the Hours of Power, the scariest and only metal show in the mid-Michigan area. Only on Impact Primetime. Now back to Impact Exposure. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. David Megan here with you. 7.30. Got a half hour left on the show. Uh, just a quick recap of what we talked about in the first half hour of the show. Just discuss the Detroit Tigers and uh, their success recently. Six of seven wins. Uh, they started a series off tonight against the Texas Rangers. We also discussed a little bit of Coach D'Antonio. Will he leave for OSU? Is that just a complete joke of an idea? Or does anyone really think that it could be a possibility? And we also just talked a little bit about USC vacating their 2004-2005 National Championship. But uh, we are going to start the rest of this hour off with Plexigo Burris, a guy I think a lot of us know, played here at MSU, uh, won a Super Bowl with uh, the New York Giants in a great game against the New England Patriots, uh, you know, back in 2007. And uh, he has been in prison for the last two years uh, for a gun charge. If we all remember, shot himself in the thigh at a nightclub in New York. Uh, gun was in his waistband. It <laughs> slipped. He went to grab it, shot himself. Uh, not a serious injury at all, but New York strict gun laws and I still will hold the opinion that they were making an example out of Plexico Burris, and I think he spent a little too much time in jail for what he did. But he is out of jail now, and uh, he got out three months early for good behavior, and uh, he's headed back. Uh, he just got out of prison here. You know, he was in New York. He's headed down to Florida to be with his family, uh, spend some time there. And uh, here's a quote. Uh, when they talked to him as he got out of jail, he says, quote, I just want to thank God for bringing me through one of the most trying times in my life. It is a beautiful day. It is a beautiful day to be reunited with my family. I want to go home and spend some quality time with them, end quote. So, uh, Megan, you know, real fast, I mean, we don't know if there's going to be an NFL season. I still do believe there will be. Of course, we'll talk more about the lockout in upcoming shows. But let's say, hypothetically, we have a season. Do you see Plexico Burris being back in the NFL? The guy, he's just turned 34. You know, he's two years out of the game. What do you think? 
Why not? Why not? <laughs> I mean, he was obviously a very, very good football player. Oh, he definitely was. And, you know, a couple years, I mean, it might make a difference, but like I read to you right during the break, he's been keeping in shape. He's been doing what he needs to do, you know, like to get back into the season. And I think, give him a shot. If Brett Favre can come back from retirement twice, <laughs> I think this guy at 30, almost 34 years old can come back and do something phenomenal. Yes. I mean, I, it, that's how I feel. And we did see it, obviously, with Michael Vick. I mean, I think that's the most close comparison that we can make here. Vick spent about two years in prison as mm-hmm. well on the dogfighting charges. And uh, he came out and looking his second year in the league, he's, you know, took over the leading role with the Philadelphia Eagles. Looking fantastic out there. What's the age difference between them, though? Um, Vick's like 31. Okay. I mean, like, excuse me, Burris does turn 34 in August. He's not 34 yet, but he will be 34 very soon. So, you know, a couple years, I mean, Burris is a little bit older, um, but he is very lanky, very tall. uh, Just, you know, he's a good wide receiver. (laughs) And um, it's just, I think he's fine. I mean, the guy's been in prison, and everyone thinks that he's working out in prison, and I just... I see no reason why he's not in shape. Now, that does it, and he's an old enough guy where it's like, I don't think that you're talking about a guy who doesn't know how to read a playbook anymore, a guy that doesn't understand how to get out there and perform his job. He's been doing it for 12 years. Okay. I, yeah, I know he was away for a while, but come on. I feel like it's almost like riding a bike. You never yeah. forget. It's just something that happens. I mean, I haven't played basketball. I used to play in high school. I haven't played in like three years. Mm-hmm. I bet you I can go out there and maybe shoot a few times, airball a couple times, but I might, after a while, I'll get back into the groove of things. I'll be able to dribble and all that kind of stuff, get around people, play defense. It's normal. Not exactly. And I'm not in shape either, but um, <laughs> I think you can do it. I think it's definitely, definitely possible. You know, with the kind of um, skill that he has and just how talented he is as a football player, you know, I was reading he had like, uh, what's it say? At MSU, his first year, he had, like, a ton of catches and stuff. I can't find oh, yeah. out. No, he was like, great. He was great. He was great in college. He was great in the NFL, uh, you know, until, unfortunately. I, like I said, I think he was made an example out of, obviously, you know, he did not have, you know, the gun was not registered. I'm not saying that's correct. He should never have brought a gun in there. It discharged, mm-hmm. you know, accidentally. His almost two years in prison. Does that fit the crime? I don't think so. But, uh, you know, this is a day we live in and uh, the punishments that exist. So, uh, real fast, just a couple things uh, about Burris still. He will be on parole for the next two years. He does have to keep a job and undergo substance abuse testing, obey any curfew established by his Florida parole officer, and he has to support his family and undergo any anger counseling or other conditions required by his parole officer. So, uh, you know, he will have to obviously do all of that. While Burris was in prison, he did violate the rules three times. And, here, and here's what he did. He lied to a guard about having permission to use the phone. Oh, God. Which is nothing. <laughs> gave another inmate a pair of black and silver sneakers that were deemed contraband. Whatever. <laughs> and he had too many cassette tapes and an unauthorized extra pillow in his, this is funny in the article, it says, quote, unquote, filthy cell. I guess he was a dirty cell, not a most cleanly guy oh in my prison. Gosh. Uh, but these were his three violations. Obviously, that's why it was nothing. Let out for good behavior three months early. Um, real fast, I just want to, you know, anyone out there, uh, you know, wants to chime in on it. Do you think Plexico Burris will be playing this season, if there is a season, but hypothetically this season in the NFL? And just, and even so, a little more thought about it. Who would take him? Who do you think uh, would like a guy like Plexico? I mean, I think a lot of teams would, but uh, 
What do you guys think out there? 517-432-3893 is the phone number. But uh, we are going to move past Plexico Burris because we just don't got not enough time for you, Plexico. Sorry. It's all right, Plex. <laughs> you you were in prison for a while. We don't have enough time for you. Yeah, anymore. and you got your five minutes. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, you just got out today. There'll be more about him in the right. upcoming weeks and months here. Especially when it gets closer to the season. Yes. If there is, yes, there definitely will be more. But here's the topic I definitely wanted to talk about for a minute. Um, the Detroit Pistons have fired John Kuster. No more Q&As for the Detroit Pistons. Uh, John Kuster was fired yesterday. Uh, finally, there had been reports the last two weeks or so conflicting. He's fired. He's not fired. The Pistons deny the reports, and then he's back, and then blah, blah, blah. And uh, no, he's finally gone, fired on Sunday. And now the team, yet again, needs a new coach. Uh, this will be the sixth coach. when this, Once they find someone, this will be the sixth coach since 2000 that this team has uh, has you know brought on. Uh, Kuster... Two seasons with the team, 57 and 107 was his record with the team. Just not really getting it done. Dumar says in a statement, quote, decisions like this are difficult to make. I want to make, I want to thank John for his hard work and dedication to the organization over the last two years. However, at this time, we have decided to make a change, end quote. Um, Charlie Villanueva does make comments on uh, this dismissal and says he's not surprised about it. He says, quote, the new ownership with Gores, I knew he would make some changes. You look at a head coach in the past two years and we haven't had successful outcomes. So something like this is not surprising, end quote. And uh, I don't find it surprising e- uh, either. Uh, I think we all knew John Kuster was going to be gone. Um, I think that he was a decent coach at a time. He's a good X's and O's kind of coach, but he could not command the respect of his uh, older players or his younger players. You saw it all season with insubordination, with guys like Stucky, Tayshon, the whole walkout of practice in February before the Philadelphia 76ers game. Um, there were just multiple incidents all season. Obviously, the Rip Hamilton fiasco, they kept getting at it. Um, he He really had issues with a lot of guys on this team. He just could not command that type of respect. Now, the real question I have for all of our listeners out there, I'm a huge Pistons fan, and I want to know, who do you got for the next coach? Who is some of you? I mean, there's a lot of rumors out there so far, four or five guys that they think would be a pretty good fit. They haven't made any decisions yet, and Dumars has put no timetable out for when these decisions will be made. But who do you have as the next coach? And what kind of coach, at least, do you want the Pistons to get? 517-432-3893 is the number. And um, I think that's the biggest thing here with the Pistons. What kind of coach do they get? Do we need a defensive coach? Do you want an offensive coach? I mean, Megan, I know you're not the biggest Pistons fan, Mm -hmm. but I mean, I think you you got an idea of what kind of coach John Kuster was. Again, more of an X's and O's guys, not really a player's coach. Mm -hmm. Do you think we need a more hard-nosed coach? coaching this team that will command and demand the respect of his players and get the most out of them. I it, it, with this team, I feel like he tried mm-hmm. to demand everything he could out of the team, but these are grown men. You can't always, you know, they're like 30 years old, 20, 30, 40, sometimes 40 years old, and it's hard. Shack, yeah. yeah, it's hard to demand, you know, the respect of guys that are not too much younger than you are. They think they're great, they're in the NBA, you're not, whatever. And you know, I feel like there's times with coaches that you need to be you need to listen to me right now or else you're not going to play in the next three games. You need to do that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. But you also, I feel like with these players, you need to find some sort of 
like, you know, like meeting point and like, you know, see eye to eye after yes. a while because you can't just be hard nose, hard nose, hard nose because after a while they are going to start disrespecting you because you're not, you know, you're not seeing them on the level that they want you to see them. You know what I mean? And so sometimes you have to be a friend, but sometimes you do have to be the coach. You know what I mean? No, definitely. And I think that was more, I think that was Cuser's problem is that when he was on Cleveland, he was their offensive, you know, assistant, you know, he was basically their uh, offensive guy. And, you know, even when he was on the Pistons back in 03, 04, he was more... The these assistant coaches, these guys, they're more of an ear to lean on, okay? Mm-hmm. They're a shoulder. When they co- These guys who have problems with even with the coaches, just problems in general, they come to the assistant coaches a lot of times, and they're the counselor in a lot of ways. And I don't think Houston was maybe even ready to take on a head coaching role. And it, it just comes to the point where when you don't get results as a player, when you start off 0-5, when you start off, you know, you just you, you, the whole season you're struggling and you're not seeing results, and you're not going to respect the coach that keeps changing the lineups, that keeps changing the way he's orchestrating his offense and his defense, I think that's when the players get frustrated. You look at a guy like Larry Brown, commands respect. You know, Phil Jackson when he coached, obviously, Greg Popovich. You can go down the line with certain coaches that no matter what, command respect. Uh, Mm -hmm. Good seasons and bad, they have the ear of their players. And uh, I just think Houston had a problem with that and wasn't just one guy, it was a lot of guys. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just looking ahead, here are uh, some of the the coaches that have been in discussion here for the, to replace uh, John Kuster as the coach. Mike Woodson, who was the Pistons' assistant coach back in uh, 2003 and 2004 when we did win the championship. Uh, Woodson, he used to coach the Atlanta Hawks, uh, just was fired uh, quite recently after leading the Hawks to three straight playoff appearances. He seems to be pretty high on a lot of, uh, a lot of people's lists right here. Uh, very experienced and very good at dealing with young players, as we do have a lot other than some of the old-timers in Tayshawn and Rip. Uh, also, Kelvin Sampson, who was a Milwaukee Bucks assistant and former NCAA head coach at Indiana and Oklahoma. Uh, they say this guy strong defensive mind and uh, you know spent a, spent a while in San Antonio under uh, Popovich and uh, Popovich loves this guy. Uh, Isaiah Thomas and Bill Lambeer round out the other two of course both of these guys former uh, bad boys of the era of the back-to-back championships and in 89 and 90. So I mean out of these names I think here's a better question. Does anyone want Isaiah or Bill Ambeer to coach this team? I think Mike Woodson is a really good fit for this team. I think Woodson is a, he's a very, like they said, he's developed a, a lot of young minds out there in Atlanta with guys like Josh Smith, uh, a lot of young players that he, you know, that had a lot of ego problems that he got under control and he had success. Didn't make it far in the playoffs, but he got them there and he really got that team getting pretty, uh, you know, consistently decent. Uh, I like Mike Woodson, pretty good defensive coach. I mean, you know Isaiah Thomas. He used mm-hmm. to coach Indiana. He had a huge bunch of problems out there in New York with the Knicks. Uh, Bill Lambeer, you know, coached the Shock for a long time. Won three titles, actually, with the Shock. No head coaching experience for uh, Bill Lambeer. He is an assistant coach right now out in Minnesota. Would you want an ex-Piston like Lambeer or uh, Thomas to coach this team? Or would you rather have just... I know Mike Woodson was a former assistant, but would you want just some fresh blood, I guess? Uh... That's I mean, a just tough question. I know it's tough, and that's the thing is that I still don't even know. I mean, Thomas Lambeer, obviously, these guys have a long history with the Pistons, uh-huh. and you know, would they be the right fit? It, it could go either way, mm-hmm. really, um, because obviously, since they've been on the team, it's changed a lot oh, over yes. the years. So, I mean, it wouldn't, it would almost not be the same. But yeah, they do have a history with the team. Um, 
you know, I'm with you. It could, um, I don't like to be on the fence indecisive about things, like especially something like that. But, I mean, it's a very, very tough decision um, whether you want to go with someone who has not had anything to do with Detroit whatsoever in the past or someone who actually played for the team, was very well, did very well on the team, and get them coming here. Maybe that'd be a good thing because then maybe people would be like, well, you know, have the respect for him. Maybe. And that's the thing is I, I don't know. It is tough. Just the only reason I think it's tough is because you see Michael Curry, he coached his team, you know, for two seasons, you know, going back uh, four years ago. He was with the team. He played on the Pistons, obviously. He was with us, and Curry did not work out. Curry, again, just cannot relate to the players. You need a players coach, I think, here, a guy that's good with the young minds. That's why I think Mike Woodson, he seems to be a front runner, and I think he is probably the best candidate for the job at this time. Um, You know, he has had some experience with this team with the championship run in 0304. I know Custer also was the little part of that but at the same time I think Woodson he brings a little more just more head coaching experience and I think that's very important here and uh, I'm I get a little tired of this coaching carousel that goes on in Detroit like I said this will be the sixth coach hired since 2000 that's a lot of coaches you know Rick Carlisle Larry Brown you know you got Custer you got Curry um, you know you got Flip Saunders a lot of coaches in this time, success, some success, and obviously, you know, uh, you know, some failure. Uh, point being is that I, I hope this is not a decision that Joe Dumars rushes into. Um, the, the draft is coming up here at the end of the month, uh, and you're going to have a lot of issues here with the potential. Uh, they're going to need a new collective bargaining agreement. The, uh, this one will expire June 30th. The NBA is headed to the same problems the NFL is dealing with right now. So there will be a lot of uncertainty. When it comes to the NBA and players and just draft and everything in general, the same thing you've seen going on with the NFL right now, the NBA is going to have the same, but probably worse. So it's you know it's a tough business to really make a lot of moves. But Tom Gores is behind Joe Dumars. Joe Dumars will remain with the team as I believe he should. He has, I think, he has a, a couple more years of being able to prove himself, make that correct coaching decision to turn this team around. But uh, we're going to move on real fast to the NBA playoffs in what is still a great series. Uh, game three was last night. Uh, Miami won this game 88-86 to in uh, a fantastic game. Miami led a lot of the game. Uh, Dallas continually clawed back into this game uh, just with some great another great performance by Dirk Nowitzki. 34 points, 11 boards, an assist, a steal, three blocks uh, all over on the court. Uh, Jason Terry did have 15 points, but he was only 5 of 13 shooting, so uh, not that great. Jason Terry's still doing something. I think he still needs to be more effective. Uh, really, the only two players in double digits, uh, Sean Marion did have 10 points, but a very quiet 10 points. Uh, you know, Dwayne Wade magnificent 29 points 11 boards three assists Bosch with 18 James with 17 and nine assists all three of the big three getting it done even though Bosch had a brutal uh, poke in the eye in the first quarter uh, by Jason Kidd his eye was swollen a lot of the game but he still he still squeaked out 18 points and got it done the series right now two to one Miami uh, game two uh, excuse me uh, game four will be played tomorrow night at nine o'clock uh, the game will be in Dallas as will game five since the NBA has shifted to the two three two format so uh you got three straight games in dallas uh looking back at game two real fast which was um i don't know if you caught any of this game but which was just an incredible basketball game miami so i mean uh, the mavericks stole this game 95 93 uh just a 22 to 5 run in the final six minutes and 19 seconds of the fourth to win this game one of the most incredible comebacks in NBA Finals history, hands down. Uh, this game was 88-73 to 73 with 7 minutes and 15 seconds left in the fourth, and they let it go. 
Dirk, 24 points, 11 boards, 4 assists, 1 block. The Mavs had 18 turnovers, and they still won this game. Absolutely incredible. Again, 2-point game. Mavs closed it out, won it. Miami closed out Game 3. Looking at Game 1 from last week, I'm not going to really touch much on this game. Miami won pretty handily, 92-84. Um, they really own most of that game. But this, again, should be a very long series. Um, looking at Game 3, the Mavericks have corrected a lot of the things that they had been doing wrong. Um, you know, in the last two games, game two and game three, they're out rebounding Miami by 17 boards right now. They're getting to the free throw line more consistently. You know, they only shot, they shot only 3% worse in Miami in game three. They shot 40% in Miami, shot 43%. I mean, it's a two to one series, Megan. Okay, we got game four coming up tomorrow. Two more games here in Dallas. You know, I know you said, you know, you think Dallas is going to win as well. I still think Dallas will win in seven. But, I mean, how do you see these next two games in Dallas playing out? Do you think that, you know, Dallas wins the next two? Does Miami go up 3-2 once we leave Dallas? Or does Dallas go up 3-2 when they leave Dallas? I feel like it's going to be back and forth. Yes. I feel like that's how it's going to be the whole series. I mm -hmm. mean, the Heat's up, what, 2-1 right now? Yep, they're up 2-1. I, I could see... Dallas winning the next one, and then the Heat winning the next one. Like I, like you said, I did say between five and seven because I was being weird like that. Um, but <laughs> I, I think it. Just judging by how everything's going right now, I, I obviously don't watch a lot of it. Um, but with what you've been saying and things I've seen on TV, um, you know, I could definitely see like you know Dallas winning the next one, the Heat the next one, like Dallas or the Heat. Like I don't know. Uh -huh. And it's it's really a toss up to me. Um, I. Like you said, Game 7. I can see it going to Game 7. I think so. I mean, I know a lot of people have said they just can't see Dallas winning in Miami to win the series in Game 7. But this series is going 6 or 7 regardless. So Dallas, if they're going to want to win the championship, they need to win in Miami. So that's that's hands down. I know they got it done in Game 2. Okay, but you're not going to win like that. You're not going to come back from down 15 points with 7 minutes left in the 4th. 18 turnover game. Sloppy performance. And Dirk hitting an amazing three-pointer and then Chalmers tying it up and then Dirk with a great drop step to you know have a layup there with three seconds left you're not you can't count on that they're gonna need more production out of Berea Berea last night again two for eight shooting only six points Peja Stojakovic needs to wake up this guy's got two points in three games in the whole series he has not been doing anything and I think that's the issue that you saw last night Dirk did have 34 but Jason Terry second behind him with 15 and Marion with 10 nobody else on that team really stepped up even Jason Kidd a lot of these guys weren't getting it done you look at game two even though they had 18 turnovers they had 20 points out of Marion 16 out of Terry 13 points out of Tyson Chandler they need more guys to have production on that team other than just Dirk because Miami even though they have the big three and the big three have been playing well and especially when you got Mariel Chalmers doing what he's been doing four for six yesterday from the three-point land you know, you're going to have to match that in some way. Again, they've been out rebounding Miami, but I think Miami's defense has finally started to figure out how to shut down the rest of the guys here on Dallas. Berea has struggled with making easy layups. The guys make some great great moves, can't finish. Uh, he needs to get that done. I think it's going to be a long series. I got Dallas winning tomorrow in Game 4. Uh, personally, I do think that Dallas will win Game 4 and 5. I think Miami wins Game 6, and Dallas takes it in Game 7. But it's going to be a long series still, I believe. If you look at that, the last two games have been decided by four total points. So uh, I think we're looking, for, again, for a long physical series. It's been a great series. Again, Game 4, Tuesday at 9. Game 5 will be uh, Thursday at 9. And again, Game 6 will be Sunday at about 8 o'clock. So uh, that is what it's looking like for the NBA and the playoffs. Real fast, going to touch real fast on the NHL. 
NHL. Vancouver Canucks up 2-0 in the series. Uh, they won on Saturday 3-2 in overtime in what was an insane overtime. Uh, 11 seconds into overtime, Alex Burrows wraparound scores 11 seconds into overtime, which is amazing. Uh, that does not happen too often in hockey. Uh, Vancouver, again, playing great in the third period. They won 2 nothing on Wednesday to kick the series off. They are now headed to Boston tonight. 8 o'clock, the puck drops here at the TD Garden. So we'll see if Boston can get back on track in this series. Now down 2 nothing. Uh, Boston has only come back once in their history from being on 0-2 in a series in 27 attempts. So they are really climbing up a mountain here to try and get back in this series. They're going to need a lot more production out of guys like Recky. They're going to need a lot more production out of guys like Bergeron and even Chara. They're going to need more. They need to play a better third period. You know, with you know Daniel Satin tying goal in the third and then the you know the wraparound by Burroughs there to steal the game in overtime. Boston played a better game in game two and still let the game get away from them. It's not Tim Thomas's fault. Yes, he did make a mistake in overtime. Vancouver just looks like the better team. They look like the hungrier team. I still want Boston to win. I do think that they, they do get tonight's win 2-1. to one. Uh, I think that it's going to be a low-scoring game, but hopefully this series makes it to 2-1 to because if not, Vancouver, they could sweep this team uh, very easily. But again, that game is tonight, Game 3 at Boston, 8 o'clock, puck drops. If you want to check that out, most likely it will be on Versus. All right, but um, that's really it. And again, for anyone who doesn't know, Shaquille O'Neal, my boy, the Diesel, he is retired. 19 seasons. Very sad. I want it, I just I want him to don the Pistons red, white, and blue one time. Even if he only played 20 games. He just sit on the bench. But uh, no, I love Shaq. He's retired after a phenomenal career. Uh, watched him my entire life ever since he started off with Orlando. Uh, you know, back in the day, 92-93. So he's been in the league forever. Uh, absolutely love the Diesel. Hope to see him doing some kind of analysis on ESPN, TNT, TNT something like that. Uh, oh, great sure. personality, funny guy, uh, incredible player. I wish he could have played more with the Celtics uh, this last season, but just really injuries, just too much for him. Just really couldn't get over it. Um, do you want to do your NASCAR? Sure. All right. I would love to. Um, as we all know, uh, last week's race, you know, with the whole Dale Earnhardt Jr. running out of gas thing, um, obviously, I, I don't know why. I have a thing for Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think he's a great uh, <laughs> Um, well, not that kind of thing, but I think he's a, a great racer, you know, all that kind of good stuff. Um, this week, we had the STP 400. Um, this was in, if I knew, I would tell you, because I don't know. Um, but we had Dale Earnhardt Jr. in second. You know, finally, I remember talking about this, you know, during the school year, and I was saying he needs to start winning, start winning, start getting there. He's slowly getting there. And that's the good thing coming out of him. But we had Brad Keselowski with the with the win. Um, he won two hundred sixteen thousand dollars by winning that race. That's um, nice. I mean, there's not really much I can say. I didn't watch it. Uh, we had him in first, Dale Earnhardt Jr. in second, Hamlin in third, Jeff Gordon in fourth, Carl Edwards in fifth. Um, so I mean, obviously, good race. We had. Let's see. We had one, two, three, four, five cautions. Okay, not bad not, at all. Not for NASCAR. very many for uh, a NASCAR race. You usually see more of those. For Seventeen sure. lead changes, not many either. Uh, it just seemed like you know. And I was reading a little bit of an article, and they were saying the the lead between uh, Keselowski and Junior was getting smaller and smaller and smaller as the race was about the about to end. But uh-huh. you know, he couldn't pull it off. It didn't say how much he won by. Um, I wish it would. But other than that, it's. Not much I can say about this. <laughs> no, but I mean, good for Earnhardt Jr. Yeah. I mean, again, the guy, if you look back to last year and a couple years ago, I mean, he couldn't 
place in the top 10 for the life of himself. I know mm-hmm. he hasn't won recently still, but finishing fourth last week and second this week, you know, very good performances. He will get a win sooner or later. Uh, you know, he's doing well. And hopefully he can keep it up. I mean, I'm not the hugest Earnhardt Jr. fan, but I like the guy. So, I mean, right, hopefully he seems to succeed. I was reading something, and someone said the only reason that he is actually in NASCAR is because of his dad. They're, say, they're saying he hasn't done anything the past couple of years, all that, all that kind of stuff. You know, I don't believe it. No, he's in NASCAR. Well, yeah, he got into <laughs> racing probably because yeah, of his father. Well, but, yeah. like, that doesn't mean that he's not talented. Obviously, the guys, you know, these drivers, you know, they have lapses of just not getting it done. It happens. It's racing. It's a different kind of sport. Right. You know, it, it, you can do everything right, and someone can screw you up and make mm-hmm. you crash and make you whatever. Exactly. Or your strategist can screw you up and, you know, maybe have a bad strategy and you don't have enough fuel. Or you have to, you know, pit when you're not supposed to. So there's a lot that goes into NASCAR. There so. is. But uh, real fast, and only got a couple minutes left, but uh, for all of our tennis fans out there, and I will say I'm a tennis fan. I played tennis for a while. I do love tennis. And uh, the French opened... Uh, Took off, uh, you know, it was the finals this uh, Sunday. Uh, the men's uh, French Open final had its highest overnight rating in the last 12 years. Uh, Rafael Nadal had a four-set win over Roger Federer. Uh, it earned a 2.6 rating and a seven share. So it's been the best uh, overnight men's uh, championship since Andre Agassi's victory in 99. So uh, it was a real good uh, match, I guess. Uh, Nadal beat Federer 7-5, 7-6, lost the third set 5-7, and then 6-1. Won his sixth straight French Open. He has tied Bjorn Borg now for uh, the most uh, French Opens. He has 10, count them, 10 grand, uh, grand, uh, grand slams right now, which is absolutely incredible for a man that is only 25 years and two days old. He's younger than me, and he's won 10 Grand Slams, which is absolutely incredible. He becomes the second youngest player to ever reach 10 Grand Slams. Bjorn Borg is the first. He was 24 years and 30 days old. So congratulations to Rafael Nadal. Again, he just has been dominating Federer, especially at the French Open. Federer cannot get wins when it comes to the French Open. Nadal just looking like he's cruising. And, uh, you know, this kid might be the best uh, ever. I mean, he's getting to a point where he can surpass Pete Sanford's for the all-time Grand Slam total. Uh, which is something else. He's only 25 years old, and I know 25 in tennis actually you're starting to get a little older. Like Federer is 26, that's like old in tennis. You're starting like you only have a few more years. That's that's crazy. That's a crazy thing about tennis. So it's arm throw or swings. It, it's those legs. It's the legs. I tell you, it's uh, their knees it? and their legs. The start, knees. That's true. Yeah, their knees and their legs really start to mess with them, especially. I'm, sh- I'm sure shoulders too. Yeah, tennis elbow and all that good mm-hmm. stuff. But um, yeah, Rafael Nadal won uh, again for a sixth straight again. So I mean, congratulations to him in the women's finals championship. Uh, Lee Na had a straight uh, straight set victory over defending champion Francesca Chavon in Saturday's women's final. So uh, yeah, Lee Na, good job. Not too many Asians that really are great in uh, in the championship area of uh, tennis, but Lee Na has been fantastic in the women's uh, for the last couple years, so uh, congratulations to Lee Na, that's great to see, and uh, yeah, is your French Open at Roland Garros, (laughs) but uh, we are out of time here today on the Spartan Sports Wrap, definitely tune in next week for a brand new Sports Wrap here, a lot to get to still, obviously, so we'll have a lot for you next week, Uh, but but for the Spartan Sports Wrap, my name is Dave Ferencu, I'm Megan, and I hope you guys have a great night out there. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.